Well, good morning. Oh, there we go. One, one person. Thank you, whoever that was. Oh, is it, was it Brenda? Right on. Thank you. Good morning. Um, it's good to be here on this uh, second Sunday of Advent. Advent, which means coming, which we've been already powerfully reminded of. The fact that not only the celebration of Christmas is coming, but more importantly, the return of Jesus, the day of the Lord, is coming. And uh, today, we need to be ready for, here's a simple fact, it's never been closer than it is today. What's the date? The 5th? 5th, yeah. Um, heads or tails? Okay. Heads? Okay. Okay. Let's see. Jared and Anthony, here we go. Let's see what we got. It's tails. All right. Um, heads or tails? The, the old uh, tradition of the coin toss goes back a long way. Um, before I get into that, I do have to make an announcement, sorry, because I forgot last week. So important, this announcement. Uh, Paul's laughing. We're pleased to announce the appointment of Reverend Paul Kotecki as Associate Pastor of Congregational Life. Um, he... Uh, Officially, he officially began uh, his, in this role this past Wednesday, and he, along with Cherub, of course, bring years of ministry experience and knowledge uh, of Stanley Park Baptist. Paul has been on staff here before, many years ago, and uh, we're so pleased, so excited for what God has in store uh, for, for you, Paul, and for us together uh, as we... Uh, head into the future here that the Lord has for us. Uh, furthermore, Pastor Peter Schultz is assuming a revised role of interim pastor for youth and community outreach. Uh, as you know, uh, Peter brings considerable experience to this role as he and his wife Amy have been faithfully serving in our youth ministry for a decade. It's a long time. And we praise God for, for his provision for, uh, for these roles right now at this critical time in the life of Stanley Park Baptist Church. So please pray for Pastor Paul of Pastor Peter as they, yes, transition into these roles. <clears throat> okay, heads or tails? We, okay, now we're, now we're, uh, quick, quick little joke here. Uh, this comes courtesy of our former pastor, Peter Bongers. Okay, I got to give him credit here. Um, it was Sunday, and uh, Frank had planned on watching the football game with his friend Harry. Okay, uh, Frank arrived late, though, to Harry's house where they were going to watch the game. And Harry asked him, well, Frank, what kept you? What kept you so long? Frank replied, well, I couldn't make up my mind between going to church and coming here to watch the game, so I decided to flip a coin to decide. Heads, church, tails, football game. So what took you so long, asked Harry. It took me 45 flips before I got tails. Pastor Peter Bonger's joke, okay? It's, uh, you can blame him. No, Lord bless him. Uh, actually, the, today's message, I must say, is inspired in part by an inspirational message he delivered here many years ago um, that, that really had an impact on me. And so uh, I've, I've adapted uh, some of what, what he uh, has put together here. But this is the second Sunday of Advent, and uh, as you said, Advent means coming. And we've just been reminded of that in a powerful way around the Lord's Supper. 
right? What, what did the Apostle Paul say? I think I have this on a slide, if I can find the little thing here. Whenever you're, look at, whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, right? So the Lord's Supper, we're looking back, yes, at Jesus' sacrifice, what he's done for us on the cross by paying for our sins in full cherishing, honoring that sacrifice, but it's also looking forward, looking forward to the day of his return because he's coming again soon. Um, when God promises something, you can count on it. You, you can take it to the bank. He, he has not failed on a single one of his promises, and he never will. Um, so when God's word promises us that one day Jesus will come again as conquering king of kings, as Paul reminded us, and Lord of lords, to overthrow his enemies and to, to judge this world, we'd better believe him and take that seriously. Today is the second Sunday in Advent, and so we're continuing in this series in the Old Testament prophets who, moved by God's Spirit, saw far into the future, not only to the day of Jesus' first coming at Christmas, but to the day of His second coming, His return, the day of the Lord, which is what our passage today in Malachi is all about. The last book of the Bible, Malachi, if you want to turn there with me, if you have your Bibles, I have these, uh, this on the PowerPoint as well if you don't, so it's okay. But Malachi chapter 4 is where we're going to focus our attention today. And uh, last week, if you recall as you're turning there, we looked at Jeremiah's prophecy where he pronounces God's pending punishment on the people for their idolatry. Now, the situation, if you recall, the Babylonian armies of King Nebuchadnezzar were advancing on Jerusalem. And, and when he pronounces that, it wouldn't be long before the, the city would be destroyed, plundered, and God's people hauled off into exile for 70 years. Okay, so fast forward 100 years from there. That's where we pick things up today. 100 years later, 50,000 exiles finally returned to Judah from Babylon. The temple is then rebuilt under Zerubbabel. And, of course, sacrificial system is reestablished. And initially, the Jews were really careful to avoid idolatry, which was their downfall. They, they really seemed to be doing okay for a bit. So had they finally learned their lesson? No. Slowly but surely, they returned to their old ways, and once again, they turned their backs on the Lord. Now, it's interesting because the, this last book of the Old Testament has some interesting similarities to the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. Um, in Revelation, if you recall our very long series in that book, Revelation 2 and 3, we see Jesus' assessment of the spiritual condition of the churches. Well, here in Malachi, we see God's assessment of the spiritual condition of Israel. Uh, some, some similar themes here. And specifically, what is addressed here is the fact that there is this evil root of, of spiritual and moral pride. It, it's, it's like the head gets cut off, but it grows back like a weed. And that pride led to indifference. It led to spiritual lethargy amongst God's people. They just became lazy and indifferent. And that is what 
the prophet Malachi addresses in this book. Um, Malachi delivers, by the way, Malachi, his name means messenger or a messenger of Yahweh. And he delivers this message of judgment on Israel for their continuing sin. And he pleads with the people, he pleads with them to repent so that God's promises might one day be fulfilled. And even though, here's the thing, he's still writing 450 years before Christ. And yet he writes with certain expectation, not only that that Jesus will come, but that he will come again. And we need to be ready for the day of the Lord. Uh, So here's our passage, beginning at verse 1, Malachi 4. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogance and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. Okay, Um, it's really important. We, We see this all throughout scripture, the warnings of the day of the Lord and to be ready for it. Uh... You might recall this this passage from 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul writes, Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not to be kept caught off guard. We must be ready. Well, in our passage this morning, the prophet Malachi boldly describes the day of the Lord as a day that is kind of like a coin. Okay, heads on one side, tails on the other. This day will be both great, great, and dreadful. It'll be both great and dreadful. See, there will be two dramatically different reactions for people. For those who reject God and his offer of salvation, who who reject Jesus' lordship in their lives, it will be a dreadful day, a day of turmoil and burning. But on the flip side of that coin, for those who have believed in and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it'll be a great day, a day of triumph, a day of joy, a day of vindication, it's either one or the other, though. You ever flip a coin and have it land on its side? <laughs> no. It's one or the other. And the thing is, how we respond to it that day, well, 
that choice is one we have to make today. How we feel about it then depends on what we do now and the decisions that we make. It'll either be a great day or a dreadful day, a day of triumph and delight or a day of turmoil and destruction. But how we feel about it then is a decision we must make now. Here's what Malachi says. He says, surely, surely the day is coming. Basically, translation, you can count on this. Get this, okay? The day is coming. Make no mistake. God will return and fulfill his role as judge of the living and the dead. God is holy. God is just. And he will and must judge mankind just as he's promised again and again and again all throughout Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New. Here's what we read. This is how the the prophet Isaiah described this day. See, the day of the Lord is coming, okay? A cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners. Uh, This is what Paul told the crowd in Athens in Acts 17. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. Now, this is a really important point here. Do you see what Paul is saying? The fact of Jesus' resurrection from the dead on the third day is proof an ironclad guarantee of his return on the day of the Lord, which, again, all the Old Testament prophets clearly describe as this cruel day of wrath, burning, judgment, and fire, and not just for Israel, for the entire world. And we see the same thing here in verse 1, where Malachi describes God's wrath as a furnace. It's like this oven stoked with white, hot coals, the white-hot flames of, of God's judgment to consume and destroy the wicked, that is, the arrogant. See that? The arrogant and, and all, every evildoer. Um, <clears throat> and it's, uh, <laughs> it's not a pleasant message, is it? He came here hoping to feel good today. Um, and, and we should. We should if, if we are in the Lord. As we talked about last week, we, we can feel good. We can celebrate if, if we have been counted righteousness through faith in the Lord, our righteousness, Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about this day, by the way. He said, I am the true vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then verse 6, John 15, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And that's exactly what Malachi is describing. You notice the, the judgment there, God's judgment, not a twig, not a branch will be left to them, he says in Malachi. Um, yeah, these, these are hard words from our Savior. Uh, I don't know about you, I, it seems more people today are more concerned about coming away from church feeling good than fearing God. But my friends, we don't just need to think about this message. 
or talk about this message. Most importantly, we need to prepare for this. Prepare for the day of the Lord because it's coming. Um, yes, God is compassionate. God is slow to anger, abounding in love. Praise the Lord, he is. But, I think I mentioned this last week, we can never mistake God's patience for tolerance. He will and must judge, judge the world. Um, which means as followers of Jesus Christ, we must not be surprised or caught unprepared like the people that Malachi is addressing, God's people. They had just grown so comfortable, so complacent, really kind of taking this not too seriously. Not, okay, whatever. It was spiritual pride that was driving this, this complacency. And here's what we read a chapter earlier. Here's what Malachi, God says. There's this blurring distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not, as Malachi puts it in Malachi 3.18. And I, I, we see that today, don't we? This, this sort of this blurring distinction. We've got this sort of this convenient shop-as-you-go Christianity drive-by kind of thing that's like we, we just, we, we want it the way we want it and when we want it, we're going to do it how we want to do it, our faith. That's, that's kind of what, what it seems the world wants these days. You got churches, Christians, even entire denominations looking, acting, sounding, thinking less like Christ and more like the culture around us. And uh, there's this, this dwindling conviction, it seems, a watering down of God's Word, which is marked by uh, an increasing reluctance to, to call sin, sin, and to call sinners to repentance, is, which is what Jesus does. And that's a problem. That's a problem in light of the passage we're looking at today, because there are a lot of people, as we know from Scripture, who on that day will say, Lord, Lord, but I knew you. <laughs> And Jesus will say, no, you didn't. You didn't. I never knew you. Uh, this, this should be a sobering word for us, my friends. Um, bear in mind, as Peter writes, our Lord's patience means salvation. And today, thank God, today is still the day of God's patience, not the day of God's judgment. Salvation is still offered to anyone who will turn in faith, repent of their sins, and trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son, for forgiveness. That offer is still good, but it is for a limited time. Um, okay, so I, I love this next section we come to here because do you remember that amazing title we saw last week in Jeremiah 33, The Lord, Our Righteousness? Jehovah Tzidkenu. Oh, we've got this incredible title here. Look, look at this. Verse 2. But for you who revere my name, okay? So for those who do turn in faith to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and revere his name. The word revere means to, to honor, to respect, to worship. Those who revere the name of the Lord. Look at this. The son of righteousness will arise with healing in its rays. We sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing this morning. That last verse. You remember how the lyric goes? It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the 
Son of righteousness. Yes, S-U-N. Okay, son of righteousness. But this is where that title comes from. And by the way, we, we love to sing that at Christmas, but this is pointing far beyond Christmas. This is pointing to Jesus' return. The, the day of the Lord. Look at this. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. Okay, here's your Hebrew word of the day, okay? Uh, sorry. Oops, something happened. Was that you or me? Uh, here we go. Uh, nope, no. Is that all we have? Okay. There, sun of righteousness. All I wanted to do is bold it. That's all I wanted to do. The Son of Righteousness. If it's not in capital letters in your translation, I give you permission to go in and and change it. It should be, because it is in the original, okay? The Son of Righteousness is a title of Jesus, Messiah, okay? And and the word, here's the Hebrew word, okay? I'm going to try not to butcher this, okay? It's Shemesh, which is the sun part, okay, and of righteousness, which is Tzedakah, Shemesh Tzedakah. Why am I telling you this? Why do you need to know this? Because the word, the title is incredible. Um, It means blazing, brilliant light. Okay, sun, yeah, sun captures it, but it's this blazing, brilliant, fiery light of righteousness. You know, that's how Jesus is described in Revelation 1. Do you remember that? This is how John sees him. His face was shining like the sun in all its brilliance. By the way, a lot of references in that passage that line up with this one too. His, his feet, right? Look at that. It says his, his feet were, were bronze, like bronze glowing in the furnace. We've got this, this fiery image, but his face shone like the sun in all its brilliance. It's what the writer Hebrews had in mind when he said the sun, Jesus, is the radiance, the, the beaming, brilliant light of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. By the way, this is exactly what Zechariah calls Jesus in his great song in Luke 178. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. Hail the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, here in verse 2, the Lord declares that those who revere his name will find the brilliant, blazing, fiery sun of his righteousness rising brightly upon them with healing in his rays. can be translated that way as well. It's his. Because S-U-N is pointing to the S-O-N, the son of God here, with healing in his rays. And by the way, it's not just physical healing. We know that in Scripture, the ultimate picture of, of healing is spiritual healing, salvation in Jesus Christ, and that's the picture here. It's an incredible image of God's people rejoicing on the day of Jesus' return like newborn, like a newborn calf released from its stall. That's the picture here, this unbridled joy. When was the last time you, you actually jumped for the joy of the Lord? Some of us would seriously injure ourselves if we tried to do that, wouldn't we? I'd throw my back out. Here's the thing. One day we will... 
One day we will, like calves from the stall, jump for the joy of the Lord. Ow. Oh, man. And it won't hurt. Um, on that day we will, my friends, for those who are, who are in Christ Jesus. But much like the day of the Lord itself, there's another side to this coin. Because the same sun of righteousness that brings soothing warmth and healing for the reverent will bring pain and burning to the arrogant, the unrighteous, the wicked, as we see in verse 3. All those who refuse God's offer of salvation will be judged guilty and we will be trampled as ashes under our feet, it says. Sorry. Guys, not sure what's going on here. Um, there's, yeah, I, there we go. There. Be ashes, trampled as ashes under the feet of the righteous. Ultimately, the blazing light of Christ will either heal or burn. Heal or destroy. That's, that's the picture. It's one or the other. It's heads or tails. See, if Jesus' birth could be compared to like a candle in the darkness... His return for his people will be like a blinding supernova that will devour the darkness, that will consume all evil and the wicked, but will bring healing, will bring joy, will bring salvation for God's people. So the day of the Lord will be a day of triumph for some, turmoil for others. A day of delight or a day of destruction, but how we feel about it then is a decision we must make now. So how do we prepare for it? What should we do? Well, verses four to six, we discover two specific ways. Okay, here's what we see. First of all, oh, uh, here we go, and I'm gonna go to, there we go, here we go. Is, am I at the beginning again, guys? Okay, I'm not sure what's going on there, so, but that's the right verse, so we can just leave that there. Um, here's what we see, beginning at verse four. It says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai where God wrote the law on the stone tablets. Now, mentioning the law of Moses here would remind the people that the same God who delivered them through the Exodus, who gave them the law for their good and commanded their absolute obedience, is still in control. He's still in charge, and he still demands the same allegiance and obedience. These final words in the Old Testament are in effect telling us, warning us, reminding us, okay, the Messiah is coming, so remember God's word and obey it. Remember God's word and obey it, which in the Old Testament is always an action thing. It's not just, oh, I'm going to sit and remember. No, no, no. That comes with action. And here's what we read, if, if I can get there in Deuteronomy. Uh, <laughs> is that... There, thank you, thank you, you got it. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How are we applying that today? Not only just to God's word in general, but to God's word specifically in terms of being ready for the day of the Lord. Are we talking about that with our kids? Telling them about what God's word says as we walk along the road. Are we putting reminders up in our homes? 
maybe even on our door frames, maybe on the mirror in our bathroom. Because my friends, we need to remember, because what happens when we don't take action? We forget. We, we become complacent. Ah, oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, I forgot today, I'm so tired. We need to make this a priority to remember the word of the Lord and to obey, to do what it says. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. That's the best way to remember <laughs> is by doing it. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you love me, you'll obey what I've commanded you. That's the best way, I think, to show that, that we are anticipating his return is to obey what Jesus said and to be ready. You know that song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way? I love, I love that song. It's a good song. Uh, I think it could be better, theologically. Um, I would say, trust and obey, for there's no better way to remember the word of the Lord and be ready for the day of the Lord than to trust and obey God's word. Um, okay. That's the one thing we see. Looking back and remembering, much like we did around the Lord's table today. I might burn my velour jacket here. Um, much like we did around the table today, we, we look back and we remember. Okay, that's, that's the first thing. That's how we prepare. We remember God's word. We look back and remember, but we also look forward. We look forward and anticipate. Okay, and, and here's what we read in verse 5. Um, if, can you, you guys move me ahead there? No? Okay. Well, here's, if you have your Bibles, verse 5. Malachi says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse, also translated with complete destruction. The mention of Elijah here is interesting, Okay. Elijah is, uh, is to announce the Messiah's arrival, just like John the Baptist did. He was a type of Elijah at Jesus' first coming, his first advent. We're called to prepare the way for the Lord, okay? That's what he was called to do in Luke 17. Well, in Matthew 17, if you recall the Mount of Transfiguration, we see both Elijah and Moses appear together with Jesus. Now, some wonder if they may be the two witnesses we read about in the Great Tribulation, in Revelation 11, as you might recall from our series, we, we touched on that. Um, but the fact is, we don't know for sure. What's most likely is that, like John the Baptist, this will be another type of Elijah who will powerfully preach the gospel before the day of the Lord, so that people will repent and believe and be spared from God's curse, from his judgment. But let's be clear. The purpose of these words is not to get us speculating on prophecy, but to assure us that God will not give up on his people, that right up until the very last possible moment, he will be saving as many as possible unto himself from the destruction of that great and dreadful day of his return. So really what we have here, I believe, in Malachi is a picture of God's mercy. God's call then, as it is now, is to repent of our sins and surrender in faith to his son, to love and trust in Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But the choice is up to us. We can either listen to and obey God's word or not. Uh, the day of the Lord will be a day of triumph for some and turmoil for others. It'll be either a day of delight 
or day of destruction, how we feel about it, then is a decision we must make now. This is what Pastor Peter used to do. He would repeat this point, and I'm, I'm taking a page out of his book today. Uh, in view of the coming day of the Lord, God's people in Malachi's day needed to wake up from a state of spiritual lethargy, laziness, and arrogant indifference. And my friends, I'm going to say it, we need to wake up too. This pandemic has done us no favors. <laughs> We've had a lot of people just kicking back, kind of, you know, putting it into neutral. And that is danger. That, that is poison to a believer. We are called to be ready, to be eagerly expecting and waiting for the Lord's return as if it could happen today. Are you doing that? Are you ready for that? Because here's the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is I could go out and get hit by a bus tomorrow and, and I'm going to be either with the Lord or not, right? That's the same for any one of us. Or the day of the Lord might happen. Either way, we need to be ready. We need to be ready for his return because that day is coming soon. Um, some people, I'm afraid, they're, they're kind of leaving their eternal destiny to sort of like approaching it like flipping, tossing a coin. Uh, whatever happens. I'm a good person, Right? And, and if maybe if the, out, if the good in my life outweighs the bad, then well, I'll be okay. And, and that's dangerous. Um, there are many people too, uh, including many who claim to be Christians, who on the day of the Lord will be condemned. They will be thrown as branches into the blazing fire of His judgment. My friends, the point is this. People's souls hang in the balance. People we know, people we love, our neighbors, our classmates, um, people we call our friends, uh, people who need to know and need to hear from us the message that we've heard today. Not just that God so loved the world, which he does, praise God he does. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. They, they need to know about that perishing part too. And they also need to know about his returning part because he's coming again. Because Jesus lives, he reigns, he rules, and he will reign triumphantly perfectly when he returns. And as Paul said, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, either voluntarily by God's grace now or by force then that Jesus Christ, yeah, he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, they need to believe in the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger lowly, who grew and showed us how to live righteously, who suffered and died for our sins on the cross to show us God's perfect love selflessly, and then who rose from the dead to show us God's power over sin and death victoriously, and who will one day return again to judge the living and the dead to rule and reign triumphantly forevermore. And people need to hear that so that they might repent, turn away from their sin, believe in God's Son so that they can be saved. Um, Jesus is the light of the world, but you know what he said? As his followers, he also said, you are the light of the world. 
uh, that should have been there when I hit that. That was what was supposed to happen. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Reminds me of the call that Peter gives us to to share the reason for the hope that we have. Point people to the hope we have in Christ. Share that good news. Share that message, my friends. People need to hear it. Souls hang in the balance. I'll give the final word to Peter here. 2 Peter 3, 11 to 14. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Now is the time to remember God's word to listen and to obey, to do what it says so that we are ready as we will look forward to that great and dreadful day of the Lord, which is coming soon. Because make no mistake, it will be a day of triumph for some and turmoil for others. It'll be either a day of delight or a day of destruction. And how we feel about it then is a decision we must make now. So what's it going to be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just want to say thank you for this word to us today. It's, it's a hard word, Father, and yet it's a good word. It's a great word for those of us in Christ Jesus, Father. And I pray that it would wake us up today. You would wake us up today through your living and active word, your, your word that teaches us, that rebukes us, that corrects us, that trains us in righteousness. May we be trainees today, Father, and rem- be reminded that that is what you call us to do, to be conformed more to the image of Christ as we anticipate his return. And Father God, help us as we've just read, as Jesus commanded us to shine the light, your light, into the darkness of this world that people would see our lives See that they are different than this world, that they are not conformed to the pattern of this world, but they are conformed to you and to your word. And Father God, may our lives be a testimony pointing people to Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray that that they would see in and through us your love in action and and make the gospel real to them, Father God. Pray that, that we would seize those opportunities that you continue to give to us especially this season, as we hear Christmas music on the radio even, Father. Help us to be ready to share the reason for the hope that we have, the true meaning of Christmas, Advent, and the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. Jesus, you are coming soon. Help us to be ready. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here.
I find my rest and without you I fall apart you're the one that guides my heart Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need you Do you stand if you're able where sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need you Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need you my one defense my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need you Uh, before I pronounce the benediction, uh, remind everyone that right after the service, we have the opportunity to have a conversation with Chris and Alistair Mc McLaren in the UK, uh, our, our beloved missionaries who, who we support and will continue to support, especially as we get an update from them today, which will be so wonderful to see them, to hear from them, and to have that time. So invite everyone to stay if you are able. Uh, if you're not able, you can make your way out after the benediction. Uh, if, you have parent, or if you are parents with kids, you can go grab your kids and bring them back in if you'd like them to be a part of that. Otherwise, I do believe they have a program out there that they'll be uh, tuned into, so you don't necessarily have to feel the pressure to get them. Now receive the Lord's blessing. <clears throat> well, you'll have to get them eventually, but just, <laughs> you can't leave them here though, okay? Okay. Uh, now receive the Lord's blessing, uh, and this is from Revelation 1. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. 
grace and peace to you, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Lord bless you. Thank you.